welcome to the Field Log Podcast, weekly reflections for the Warrior King to help you master yourself, fulfill your purpose, and conquer the day. I'm your host, Marcian Sicario. Field Log Day 52 Remember Your Name The human brain is confronted with millions or perhaps even tens of millions of pieces of information every day, right? We know this. If you consider, let's say you're waking up in the morning, as I'm sure you did five or 10 minutes ago, and you open your eyes, there are a hundred, a thousand, God knows how many little details that are entering your eyes, right? So you're looking at your ceiling and then maybe there's something in the corner of your eye. And then when you get up and you walk over, say to the bathroom, to brush your teeth or shower, whatever it is you do first thing, there are a thousand little details. And there's been some experiments that have been done to illustrate this point, right? Where they'll tell people there's going to be, I think the most famous experiment of this kind was there's going to be three players passing a ball back and forth. And the participants in the study were told to count how many passes occurred over a one-minute time frame or something along those lines? Well, what the participants didn't know was while the ball was being passed around, there's a person who walks through the video, right, between the players passing the ball, wearing a gorilla suit, and then waves his arms and then does that for a little while and then walks out of frame. And then at the end of the study, People were asked, how many passes did you count? And it was maybe, I don't know, 20 or 30. And then they were asked, did you notice anything unusual? And a large majority of the people who were told to count the passes didn't even notice the person in the gorilla suit. And that's because our brain is designed to filter out information. There's one piece of information, though, that catches everyone's attention. And that is your name, right? You can be in a crowded room, you know, you hear chatter everywhere. There's hundreds of conversations around you. And then someone calls your name. You perk up immediately, right? A person's name is the sweetest sound to that person's ears. Now, today's topic is remember your name. And by that, I mean... Now that we've established how much power a name has, right? It commands our attention. What does it mean for us to remember our name? Well, second story, more intro here. When you become Orthodox as a convert, as an adult convert especially, you're assigned or choose a patron saint. And of course, it's usually said that you don't choose your patron saint. Your patron saint chooses you. But you are baptized under that saint's name. So if you choose someone, let's say a popular saint, like Saint Seraphim of Sarov, right? Great saint. Then your name, baptismally, your baptismal name, or if you're just chrismated, your chrismation name will be Seraphim, right? My chrismation name is Marcion, after the emperor Saint Marcion, who called the Council of Chalcedon. Well, my priest always likes to say that in the eyes of God, this is your name now. Right, This is the name under which you were born again. And that phrase in its original Christian context meant to be born through the waters of baptism. Right, It is a spiritual rebirth. When you are brought down into the water, you die with Christ. And then when you're pulled out of the water, 
you are essentially resurrected with him. And St. Paul says a very famous quote from the scriptures, it is not I who live, it is Christ who lives within me. Right? So you die to yourself and you become alive to Christ. And you're given a new name to sort of mark that event. Right? And if you're cradle orthodox, right, your parents baptized you, it's probably your first or middle name, right? So maybe your first name is John, and then your parents assign you one of the many saints uh, whose name is John. Maybe St. John the Theologian, or St. John the Baptist, or St. John of Shanghai. There's so many. Or it could be your middle name as well. You know, maybe your first name is not a Christian saint's name. That being said, in the eyes of God, this is the name you now have. And it's very important to remember that, right? Remembering your name means remembering who you are, what you are, and to whom you belong. Right? We say this all the time on the Field Log Podcast, that your sole purpose as a man living the warrior king ethos is to cleave to God, to cleave to Christ, and to become a tool for his purpose. Right, someone through whom he can work, much like any other king, right? imagine an earthly king, would wield his army and his generals and his knights, God will wield you for his particular purposes. And of course, this is true of anybody, not just someone living the warrior king ethos, but anyone who decides to give his life, his or her life to God. Right? I read this quote from a saint once, and I wish I remembered who it was, but you know, you see so many quotes that you forget the names, the attributions. But the quote read, there are no chance encounters, right? Whenever you meet somebody, either you were sent to that person by God or that person was sent to you by God or both. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's mutual. I mean, I like to imagine many times it's mutual, right? Every encounter I have, maybe this person can teach me something. Maybe I can teach this person something. But we all become tools for God's purpose, And we remember that best, in my opinion, by remembering our name, the name that was given to us in baptism or chrismation or, you know, maybe if you're cradle orthodox or Christian of some denomination where you have a name that's tied to a saint, right? Maybe you're Catholic or something. That is your identity in the eyes of God, right? If you're orthodox and you have a baptismal name, that's not your given name like I do. When you're buried, that's the name on your gravestone, right? And to a lot of people, this is very interesting, but it even goes deeper than just the one name, depending on how your life plays out, right? Maybe you're, you become a monastic or something along those lines. If you think about monks, when you're baptized Orthodox, you're given a certain name. And then when you become a monk, you're tonsured as a monk, you're given a new name. And then maybe you excel as a monk and you achieve what's called the great schema, which is this, you can essentially think of them as like the Navy SEALs of monks, right? These are the most experienced, wizened, right? The, the elder monks, great schema monks. And I really urge you to look this up, Google great schema monk orthodox, just to get a picture of these men and women too. I think there are some nuns that achieve the great schema. And the pictures are amazing. They look incredible. They have these beautiful black robes with this white stitching or sometimes red stitching. And they, they look straight up like wizards. But when you achieve the great schema, if you're a monk, you're given yet another name. So this idea 
of the power of names is everywhere in our theology, right? If you're a Christian. You'll even see this in a very common practice in the Orthodox Church called the Jesus Prayer. And I've mentioned this before. The Jesus Prayer is a very short prayer that essentially sums up the entirety of the gospel in one sentence. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And calling on the name of Jesus repeatedly is very soothing for the soul, is very healing, right? So there's power in the name of God, even if you think about it from the Old Testament perspective. And now I'm realizing, again, as usual, that we're getting into theological territory. So my disclaimer, I'm not a priest. I'm not a theologian. Double check everything I say with your priest, especially if it seems fishy. It's very possible I'll get something wrong. Right. that being said, if you look at the Old Testament, the name of God was something very sacred, right? It wasn't pronounced at all. It was just written down. And because... Hebrew is a language like Arabic or Syriac, where the vowels aren't written. It was just consonants, right? And the modern rendering of this is, I think it's called the Tetragrammaton, but I'm not sure. Y-H-W-H, right? And people debate, how is this meant to be pronounced? Maybe it's Yahweh, maybe it's Jehovah, depending on who you ask. The name of God is so mighty, so powerful, that they dared not pronounce it. So now if you crack open a modern Bible, it'll usually be rendered as the Lord, right? That used to read Y-H-W-H and whatever the Hebrew equivalent of those letters is. But there's great power in names. There's great power in the name of God. There's great power in the name of Jesus, the Son of God, who is also God. There's great power in your name, especially if you have a baptismal name, right? If you're Orthodox, Maybe your name isn't the name that you were given at birth. There's great power in that, right? So sometimes you'll walk into an Orthodox church somewhere, you visit somebody and you introduce yourself and then there's a person, just, you know, regular American person and you shake hands and you ask, what's your name? And you hear something like Dionysius. Well, and so you immediately know, oh, that's, that's your saint's name. But I love that, the idea of introducing yourself by your baptismal name, basically proclaiming to the world that this is who I truly am, right? And if you're not Orthodox or some kind of Christian where you get a a saint's name, maybe look at the name that you have now and look at the meaning of it. Look at the history of it, right? What, What does it mean? Why did my parents give me this name? Ask them, right? Call up your mom and your dad or, you know, whoever gave you the name and say, why did you give me this particular name? My mom's told me plenty of times, why she gave me the name that she gave me, right? My first name. And it's a very fascinating thing to learn about yourself, right? So sometimes you'll meet people with certain names that are very beautiful. You know, there's a lot of names nowadays, and especially in Western culture. And of course, this is an English-speaking podcast. So I'm assuming that more likely than not, you live in some Western country and you speak English. If not, then this is all gibberish to you, I'd imagine. But if you have a name like John or Michael, or Gabriel, or any of those names, you know, those very common names, there is a Christian theological meaning behind that name. And you should find out what it is, right? What is the name that was given to you by your parents? I don't think it's a, it's a mistake. I don't think it's an accident. And what does that name say about you? So all of this to say, of course, that there's great power in all kinds of names, 
God's name, your name, the names of others, right? One of the best things you can do, this is an easy hack, easy tactic to build rapport with people early on is when you hear that person's name, right? You meet somebody and you're like, hey, I don't think we've met. What's your name? And the person says, my name is Jake, let's say. You say, it's, it's nice to meet you, Jake. And then throughout the conversation, right, however long it is, maybe 5, 10, 20, maybe you talk for two or three hours, God knows, use the name, right? Make use of it. It is the sweetest sound of that person's ear to hear him or herself being addressed with his name. So use it, right? That's a very easy way that you can take this knowledge of the importance of names, remembering your name, remembering the names of others, and use it to build rapport, right? To make a connection with somebody, right? One of the things that I like to do when I meet somebody new, and it's a name I've never heard before. For example, I was at a, uh, a nearby Irish pub with a couple of my friends. We were getting dinner, right? They got some good lamb burgers. So we were eating dinner and our waitress came to serve us and she introduced herself as Siobhan, right? And I, I was like, that's a really interesting name. And she said, thank you. So when she walked away, I looked it up. And of course, I immediately spelled it C-H-E-V-O-N because that's how I imagined Siobhan would be spelled. Well, it turns out it's, it's an old, I think, Irish name. And it's spelled S-I-O-B-H-A-N. So I'm already fascinated by this because I find names very interesting. And then when she came back, I'd seen the meaning of the name and it's been a while so I've forgotten what it meant. But I said to her, did you know that your name means this? And she said, oh, that's really interesting. I didn't know that. But taking an interest in her name after that, you know, we got fantastic service and the service was fine. Before that, I'm not saying she was a bad waitress, but just taking an interest in her and her name was very powerful. Right, and on a similar note, one thing that you hear all the time, right? There are certain, certain weaknesses that people don't like to admit to. Well, there are a few weaknesses that for some reason everyone seems to admit to. And one of the ones I hear all the time is, oh, I'm not good with names. I'm good with faces. You know, I can remember a person's face, but I can't remember names. Well, that's not unique to any one person, right? Our brain remembers visual stimuli the best, right? And we started with a story about visual stimuli. So it's only fitting that we come back to that. I think there's something along the line of 11 million sensory receptors in your body, right? Receptors that tell you about the outside world, like touch and sound and taste and smell and sight. And then of course, there is uh, the passage of time, which is a sense, right? It's a common myth that we have five senses. We have more than that. There is knowing where your limbs are in space. That's a sense. When you close your eyes, you know where your arms are. Pain is different from touch. They're different receptors. But out of the 11 million or so, and I might be getting the number wrong, but I think it was 11 million. Of the 11 million receptors that we have that tell us about the outside world, 10 million of those are visual alone. So everyone is good with faces, right? You can see a face one time and see it like three years later and be like, that person looks familiar. But names are, are just thoughts, right? They don't have any visual or sensory information associated with them. It's like a random string of numbers in some way, like 451 or whatever. So most people aren't very good with names, naturally. But that doesn't have to stay that way. Another tactic you can take away from this, the idea of the remembrance of names, is that when you meet somebody, 
make an effort, pay attention. I always notice that I remember people's names that when I'm being introduced to that person, I'm not thinking of, oh, pleasantries, you know, like, hey, my name is this and your name is this. No. Whenever I think, what is this person's name? And I hear the name and it's like Jake, right? Or something. I'm like, this is Jake. I look that person in the eyes. I look at the face and I try to form an association intentionally between the name and the face. And one of the things that you can do in the beginning, especially, is make some sort of note about that person. Like notice something about that person. You know, maybe that person has is very tall or has very beautiful eyes or something, or maybe a lot of tattoos or something along those lines and try to somehow connect it to that person's name, right? Maybe you meet Jake and Jake has, let's say, broad shoulders, for example. You might say something like in your head, Jake has broad shoulders like he likes swimming in a lake, right? I turned it into a little rhyme. And I know it's a stupid example, but the point gets across and I might use something like that if I meet a Jake with broad shoulders. It doesn't have to be clever. It just has to be a thought, something like a rhyme to jog your memory. And this is commonly referred to as a mnemonic device, something that you use to try to remember a piece of information. And the power of mnemonic devices is incredible, by the way. Quick aside, there are people who build what are called mind palaces, where you have an architectural structure that you can visualize in your mind. Let's say there's a library you used to go to as a kid. If you close your eyes and pretend you're walking through the door, I'm sure you can say, oh, you know, if I go left and I walk down that hallway, that's where the bathrooms are. If I go right and walk down that way, that's where the DVDs are. Well, people will construct a mind palace, take a structure like that, and then in all the different locations in that place, you can put things, right, visually. So you might want to remember a phone number, and then you assign to every digit a person, right? Zero through ten, you just memorize, right? Maybe zero is your brother, and then one is, I don't know, uh, your sister or something, and then each one has a person. And then you might imagine putting into a specific location in your mind, those people lined up as the phone number. So then when you close your eyes again, three weeks from now, and you walk into your mind palace, and you go to that space, you will still see standing there, your brother, then your sister, then your mom, then your best friend, then your brother again, your brother again, your sister. And of course, it's a very basic example. Their techniques are usually more advanced than this. But that's how you can remember things, by making them visual in your mind's eye. All of that being said, it's very important that you make an effort to remember people's names and treat their names with respect, right? So whenever I usually meet somebody, I will, let's say that person has a name like, I met a woman at church yesterday. Her name is Elena, right? She's from, I think, Estonia. So in in Russian, it'd be Yelena. Well, in Russian, there is a practice where every name comes with what's called a diminutive, which is like a nickname for that particular name. So Michael becomes Misha, and then Yelena becomes Lena, things like that. And I asked her, I was like, is it okay if I call you Lena? Right? We go to the same church, but I just met you. I want to make sure I'm being respectful. And she said, absolutely. You know, that's very sweet of you. You absolutely, you can do that. So I asked permission to call her by a name that she didn't give me verbatim, right? And I'm not saying that you have to do this in your own life, but treating people's names with respect, understanding the value of a name, right? The meaning of a name, how it ties to a person, right? What the name represents, all of those things is going to give you this air of, let's say, empathy, 
and perhaps even compassion, by taking a real interest in people and valuing their names, valuing your own name, right? Remember your name. Remember what it says about you, as we talked about in the first half, right? What does my name say about me? Maybe you have a very strong name. Maybe you have a name that means something like the strength of God, or like maybe your name is Joshua. A lot of people don't know that the name Jesus actually comes from the Hebrew Yeshua, which when translated to Greek became Iesus, and then in Latin it became Jesus, right, with a J. The I became a J. So the modern rendition, Jesus actually can be traced back to the name Yeshua, which I think means God saves or something along those lines. I might be getting that wrong. But knowing those meanings, you know, maybe you have a name like that that has a very powerful meaning, or maybe it's a very simple meaning, right? Maybe you know a girl and her name is Amber, and I'm pretty sure that just comes from you know, the, the amber stones, the little stones that usually contain, you know, like are like fossilized and maybe sometimes have bugs in them or something, might be referring to something simple. Or maybe her name is Rose. Obviously, that's just referring to the flower, but still there's a meaning there. So today's takeaway is to think about your name, right? Just spend a couple of minutes thinking about what does my name say about me? How do people refer to me? And do I like that? Right? I have a, a buddy who, um, like me, has a first name, a middle name, answers to his middle name. Right? And then that's a legitimate choice he made. And maybe if you're Orthodox and you have a baptismal name, consider answering to your baptismal name. In fact, as I'm thinking about this, I think maybe I'd want to start putting my name Marcion on more things. Maybe I want to be Marcion. Maybe the Feelog podcast, which is something that's centered around this idea of living your God-given purpose and the Warrior King brand, same thing. Maybe I shouldn't be associating that with the name that I usually use in conversation, Hara, right? Maybe it should be Marcion. And that's a question I'll ask myself when this episode airs and I listen to it in the morning. That's, you know, a valid choice. Likewise, when you're Orthodox and you go up to receive communion, you say your baptismal name, right? In a sacramental context, you're always your baptismal name. So think on that today, right? Think about the power of names. Remember your name. Remember what it says about you as a warrior in God's army, right? This is essentially your name, your title. This is who you are in God's book, right? And what do you want to do with that information? And maybe you come to the conclusion that there's a name that you have that you haven't been using as much as you want. And maybe you'll change that. So think on it. And whatever conclusion you come to, make sure to remember your name and what it means. That's it for this week's Field Log. If you like what you heard today, you can follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on right now. You can also rate the show. That always helps out a lot. You can find me on Instagram, threads, and TikTok at marcian.cx for field log snippets, art, philosophy, and training-related content. You can also visit the website at marcian.cx for much more of the same. I'm still working on consolidating the Warrior King content into the marcian.cx project. So check back at the website soon for the new and improved Warrior King training protocol, which is going to include supersets and my updated supplement recommendations. There's also a 2024 goal-setting guide on the way, and of course, the Warrior King newsletter. If any of that sounds appealing to you, the links to everything are in the show notes below. It's all free, and as always, conquer the day.